Alexander Hamilton. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And that's it. <laughs> I'm a man of many words, but only written. No, I, every time I get that Squadcast prompt of, what's your name? <laughs> I, I, I literally just, that's what comes to mind, is that song. I, um, I got an email from Matthew at Summit today. Oh yeah, how's he? Uh, is, is he working? It's anymore? like an entire January review of like oh that's good stuff he, he's done. Did he actually get stuff done in January? I don't. There's even a customer I'm, testimonials. Wow, that's. I mean, I guess he's doing all right. <laughs> yeah, we should hear that's an update the, from him. He, he wants it to look that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that felt good to get off my um, my mind. You know, I mean, there's two updates that I need to write every month. One is to customers and one is to investors. And I procrastinate on both of them. That's just my nature. And uh, I don't know why that is. I mean, it is the first of the month. So that yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> but the reason I say it that way is that the last one I sent was January, I want to say 15th, maybe. Okay. Something like that. So it's, it's no, not January. What am I talking about? See, I, I'm really out of it. Hold on. Rewind. Starting again. I think the last one I sent was in early or mid-December, before Christmas, before the holidays. So this is first one in about 45 days, not 30 days. So it felt I felt bad. But I I I'm just changing the name to be like once a month or so. <laughs> the next and I'm just gonna try for the first week of each month at this point. Yeah. Um, it's um have you gotten any response to it or I got two. One said, please, uh, hey, I signed up a while ago. Uh, please delete all of my data. I have a CFO now, and they're doing all of these really uh, complicated things, and I can't use a tool like this anymore. And you know, nothing against you. I'm like, cool, cool, okay. And so, so I did that. And then another one was, uh, hey, I, um, I also did an uh, integration with QuickBooks o- over the last month. You know, isn't that cool for their own startup? I was like, okay, so nothing positive or, or sort of like meaning substantial yet. Just like people wave and be like, hi, e- I see you. Emails are being delivered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Emails are being delivered and it's fine. I I, uh, I did have one person in the last two weeks say, am I not signed up for your product updates? I feel like I haven't gotten one in a while. That That hurt. It's like a weird version of like knock, knock, who's there? Yeah, I was like, uh, it's because I haven't sent one, but I will. So hopefully he's happy. Yeah, well, um, that's that's good. Do you want to talk about some of the stuff you mentioned in the email? Is there anything um, we don't know? Uh, I think actually the one, I don't know, the email is probably not a great prompt for this conversation. I would say roughly... I did mention in there that um, we're breaking ground today on the, I don't know what to call it yet. It's the coding environment, the text-based sort of version of Summit, the Summit event language editor. Yeah, let's talk about and that. That's that's the exciting part of today's update, right? It is, it is. Should we just uh, and so I talk, give listeners? Just give them what they want. Yeah. Up front. Yeah. Um, so I... I just spent um, a couple hours. Oh, it was about, was it? I don't know. It was 10 or 11. I think it was maybe something like that. 10 to 1, my time. So maybe two or three hours, but with a little break in, in the middle, um, talking to Giles um, Van Griesen. I'm If I butchered your last name, man, I'm so sorry. But I, I asked how to pronounce the first name to be right because I'm an ignorant American. So um, Giles, but we spent a couple hours uh, on Tuple and did a pairing session where the goal was just orientation to the product and who is technical side. Giles. Yeah, he is a talented developer hailing from uh, Burlington, Vermont at the moment. He is from Rhode Island. Uh, he is really interesting. I referred to him as a polymath in my tweet because he, you can go to, so it's funny, you can go to his website, which he links off of his Twitter bio. And unlike most coders with his level of expertise it's a portfolio website of his incredible photography i've seen it yeah so you'll see really good 
it's gorgeous. I mean, it's 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 great stuff. And I remember the first time he followed me on Twitter and I saw some of his comments and I followed his bio. I saw that and I was like, wow, okay, this is cool. And then I saw how technical he was as well when I saw the open source project that he's embarked on, which is called GraphKit. And the more I looked at GraphKit, the more I was just like rubbing my eyes going, wait a minute, are you are you working on exactly what I need for Summit? Like, is this just a weird coincidence? Huh. <laughs> and it is a weird coincidence. He just happened to have a similar sort of conviction, call it a conviction in market, that people need better ways to visualize and explore their data, especially, and this is the key, especially uh, graphed, graph data. So data that lives on a directed graph or can be graphed like a tree, not like a chart graph. Um, and incredibly aligned in terms of what I need next. And then I talked to him and it turns out, yeah, he's comfortable with you know, um, parsing and interpreters and compilers and abstract syntax trees and Excel all the good stuff. syntax <laughs> and all this stuff. And I'm going, um, are you busy? <laughs> <laughs> how busy are you? I'm sure you're busy, but how busy are you? And yeah, it just ended up being perfect. I mean, in terms of skill set, I I feel like I could have tried for months to find somebody with his skill set passionately working on the thing that I need, even of his own fruition. So a core library that fits perfectly. And I said, we got to work. This is fate. We got to work together. So um, he, he's a, he has a contractor status. Um, he's got a few days a week, two to three days a week, but I'm just super excited about what he's going to be able to do to move that part of the business forward. And to me, if I take a step back, I am playing in a very large market with some competitors or incumbents who have many, many millions of dollars in revenue and very large teams. So my strategy is doubling down on the language is my way of really focusing on the platform aspects of Summit, which is to say, I may not be able to create everything that the world wants, but if I can create my, if I can empower users to create what the world wants, then I can have an army of my own. Summit can have its own army, but they can't. They're not going to be on payroll, right? And that is my, it's my strategy for competing in a giant market. Can so, you help unpack what, what the outcome of what he's working on will be one day? Like, is it so you can add code to when you're editing an event to Summit? Or is it like you can define events in code? Or how should we think yeah. about it? So think about it this way. Behind the scenes in Summit are these events. They're a very abstract data type Um and they are what run your model, what build your business model. Currently, I've got a bunch of forms that you can fill out that create these events because the average person is not going to be able to look at a completely abstract <laughs> data type and know what to put in the blanks. I mean, of course, you can't know because there's no semantics there. There's no context. So the forms create context and semantics so that you can fill them out and create these events. The lovely thing about that is the forms are reusable. I can actually create new forms so that you can create new kinds of events. The downside is the full power of the data type is not being unleashed because it's restricted to the templates, the forms that I offer to you in the, in the application. So that if you want to create a, let's say you want to create a hosting cost with Amazon as a part of your expenses for your business, you can create an expenses event and currently, I think the one in there, you can create it and you can have it growing monthly by a certain rate. But what if you knew that you were going to cancel with Amazon in three months and move over to a different host with a different cost or price? There's actually no way to currently have that hosting expense terminate in three months. Now, Summit Backend doesn't care if you do that. In fact, it's it's like, go ahead, tell me when it ends. I'll just kill it. You know, we can do that. But on the front end, I haven't put a form field there that says like when does this end right and so even though summit is very flexible it's still bottlenecked right now by matt wensing's time invested in creating these new forms and by the way every time i create a new form kind of makes the old one obsolete people have to migrate to the new one it's a little bit of a pain so they're great for getting started but they are hiding or occluding 
or blocking a bunch of flexibility that is available on the back end. So what what Giles is doing and what I'm overseeing or commissioning is let's create an interface that allows you to put in using Excel syntax, very familiar syntax, use Excel syntax to define events. And if you can define an event using Excel syntax, we will show you how you can leverage every single aspect of that data type, that very abstract and powerful data type with every event that you create. So if you want to have that expenses thing happening, but terminating three months, you can do that. Heck, I can show you how to offset it by 13 days. I can show you how to, you know, pay that bill 13 days after you receive it. You know, like there's so much power yeah. out there. That's really cool. But I, I'm either going to have to create form fields for every single thing you could possibly do with one of these things, which is a fine endeavor to do over the next maybe 24 months, but it'll never end. Or I'm going to teach the world how to write the language, the code to leverage, fully utilize the power, the expressive power of summit event language. Right. And so he's going to, yeah, build that composer, that IDE view that lets you create events using free text, a free text editor. Nice. <laughs> That's uh Yeah. It's I mean, it makes more sense now and uh, it sounds like a it sounds like a very big project, but something that could pay off hugely as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because once that's possible, then there will be f there will be a growing sort of group of people who are fluent in some event language or as I call it cell, which I think is just a cute irony. Um, so people who are fluent in cell can, can look at your financial model in Excel or a spreadsheet and they can port it over for you in like superpower mode, right? They can that's just, so cool, yeah. they, they know how to roll up their sleeves and just express everything that's in that inside summit. It still saves and compiles to events. So you still get all the awesome flexibility of connecting data sources and branching and testing and forking and goal setting and all that cool stuff that summit does but they'll be able to do that for you and you know i've been talking to that's so cool um i've been talking to a stream of fractional cfos and i think that something really exciting is happening in that space which is yes there's people who are over my dead body i'm going to use excel and excel only because i'm i don't want to learn something new and then i talked to somebody multiple people last week who said, I teach accountants and CPAs and financial analysts how to use basic Python, you know, how to use R, uh, how to use a Jupyter notebook maybe, or some data science to do some of these calculations that, that are hard to do in Excel, right? And they look at that and they latch onto it and they get excited and they, they can do it. But then they're like, yeah, but how do I deliver a financial model for my clients if I just know Python, right? Like it's only so doesn't actually get me all the way there. So my bet is that, you know, and I wrote down part of the things I was sharing on Twitter recently is just the the desires of these prospects that I have. I think there's a growing group of um, program programmers, let's just call them that, um, junior, novice, or advanced programmers who want to stay relevant, impress their clients, and spend more time on strategic finance. Who want to, who would want to adopt this tool and this language, and um, once once they can, you know, it's really what's what's great about that is once they can, we can just keep investing more and more and more in the platform and the language, and not worry about all the f traditional features, right? Like, can I do this? Can I model that? It's like, yes, you can. Just talk to <laughs> talk to Peter; he can do that. You know, yeah, so that's, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I can't wait until there's like, <laughs> I picture an O'Reilly book one day <laughs> with like the, you know, learn how to write this. I mean, obviously, I'm not necessarily having Dead Trees version, but just like all of the, all the community or sort of you know, platform driven learning that can take place on just how to do this stuff is really really exciting. Like, hey, here's a little, you know, like JS Fiddle. You can have this little Summit Fiddle site which just shows people how to create certain kinds of events and just copy paste them into their into their models you know S script kitties for summit <laughs> uh, yeah I, I understand why you're excited about this 
What's uh, yeah? Do you have any sort of like what's the timeline or what's the what are the milestones or like what's the because it just feels like a big thing. Like what what is he doing now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he has to get oriented to everything, and you know, becoming productive is its own step. I think. Hey, everything's set up, <laughs> and uh, Summit runs on my local machine. Skip all that boring stuff. Um, which at least is documented on how to do that. And I think, you know, I, I'm going to leave that up to him of what like the first milestone is. I want to be, you know, a lot of autonomy here given his experience. But in my mind, if, if I were him, I'd be thinking about, you know, something like how do I, how do I take, you know, free text that's being entered into this existing kind of library that I'm building called GraphKit how can I save an event when I save one of those? Like, how do I link those? I mean, that's actually the whole thing. And it's also the small, it's, it's a small thing. And you can see actually writing like unit tests against that, et cetera. Back to your timeline question. Um, it basically said, can we get something in front of testers by May 1st? Okay. So it's not a short, it's not a short timeline. It's not also not like, it's not six months to a year. I, I think, I, I think, um, Three I think months. ninety days. Yeah. yeah, I think ninety days is reasonable to have something that somebody can type something into <laughs> and execute it and have it be, you know, maybe it's not it's not feature complete. There's certain things, the rules, or hoops you have to jump through, whatever. But we agreed that we ought to be able to get something in front of people um, sometime in May. Is the idea nice and. Yeah, and I think that's reasonable. I mean, I built the front end that does what it does today in about um, in about 60 days, I want to say. So I feel like, you know, given the fact that he's not full-time and the fact that it's all new to him and that the bar is a little bit lower in terms of what we are going to say it has to do, I think three months is reasonable. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have lots of conversations and I will be getting tons of, you know, visual feedback and verbal feedback along the way well before that so um i think the just the daily progress is what's going to be most exciting and i think we're both the great thing is he's also you know let us speak for himself maybe he should come on the podcast but i'm also very uh just excited about the the fit and opportunity so here we go nice that's exciting yeah it's it's big it's a big swing and i think it as i looked at the seed round being completed my real thought was okay i need to take not just some incremental swings which i'm going to work which i personally am going to work on i want to make some investments that are big swings that wouldn't be possible without the investment right or wouldn't be possible without the magnitude of the investment because otherwise you know i just feel like i'm going to be incrementally treading a little bit i I want to give myself a chance to have like a big breakthrough yeah, you know, and I feel like this is this is definitely something I've been thinking about for over a year, and um, it's pretty well fleshed out at this point, and everything lined up. So I said, okay, this is this this is the big swing. <laughs> yeah, so let's take it. Yeah, I love how like I've heard you many times like talk about this summit language, but I didn't know how serious you were about it or like how realistic it was. But like now, now you hired someone to work on it. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was it too. It, it, this really moved it from once I heard his, you know, once we talked and I understood his experience and his comfort with these kinds of things and that the fact he was working, I said, okay, we have now moved from like daydreaming to this is a real possibility. And then we talked a little bit more and I'm like, okay, not only is this a real possibility, this is a real, this is a real project that has a shot of working if I pull the trigger. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately with the funding, I can pull the trigger. And even if it, I'm really not thinking this, but even if for some reason we got stuck, that's okay. You know, it's like, I have to take this chance. So, um, yeah, so I'm really, really excited about that. I'm really excited to see how it can bring on a whole new class of users, i.e. the the fractional CFOs and analysts and the power users of Excel and just give them this new environment. So, um, I think that dramatically changes our go-to-market and also our appeal and 
sort of how far in a company's maturity we can serve them because they don't the odds of them needing to go to excel just gets pushed pushed down the line right it could yeah. be series b or it could be series c you know not not series b not like hey we just have a finance team it's like your finance team hopefully loves this tool <laughs> is the idea yeah you could uh you could be the professional tool and even like i like I, I talked to a founder I know and he said like we use Carta because not because we want to use Carta necessarily, but because our investors told us four years ago that that's what we should use because they expect us mm-hmm. to use that. Um, mm-hmm. And now we pay them five grand a year. Um, but for you, like maybe it's like, you know, our, our investors expect that we're serious about our finances at this uh, stage of our business and they expect us to use this tool where uh, in their network of you know fractional CFOs and maybe even their own CFOs, like they can they can help us out with this because it's a, a professional tool and they we can build out everything we need uh, and hire people who can help us do that. Yeah, exactly. I think it'll be very. What this does is it neutralizes that objection of I want to use Summit, but we're growing and my new finance person says we need to use Excel. You know, this neutralizes that. And, you know, I'm going to be trying to educate the market of finance professionals that Summit is a viable alternative. And I'm also going to be helping Summit users who get to a certain point where maybe they don't want to build the model themselves anymore. They want to delegate it. You know, if you're going to hire a fractional CFO or a CFO in-house, you know, why not hire one of these in this directory that know how to do this in Summit? because then you won't have to switch, right? right? Um, so I'm, and that's why I say it's a big swing because that's that's something that I, you know, will have to deal with in the future, but it, it it's a real issue if I don't proactively address it, right? So if I were more bootstrapped, I might sort of get to the happy point where I've got all these paying customers who are more maybe uh, less sophisticated and then sort of say like, okay, I'm losing customers now because they're graduating away and they're, and they're hiring people, whatever. Now, how do I deal with that? Because of the seed round, I can do this in parallel. And I also think it's going to grow the go-to-market efforts because these empowered analysts or programmers or financial experts, they can show it to their own clients and say, hey, would you want me to use this? Because check this out. And... If it's as exciting as I think it will be, I think there will be a lot of founders and existing clients of theirs who look at it and go, I would love to port. (laughs) I would love it if you started using this instead of Excel because this is super visual and I can play with it and I get it and the modeling makes sense to me. So that's... um, The thing I would love to use it for is for my personal finance, I think, because I have this... I have a spreadsheet I call Mission Control that's like composed of like all these hmm. different sheets of like stuff related to my personal finance. Um, huh. And then there's one yeah. master sheet that's like that pulls in all the numbers. It sounds like I'm a billionaire or something like that. Um, it's okay. You're I just taking it. You're just doing it the right way. I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying yeah. my spreadsheet is ready for when I'm a billionaire. Um, but it'd be fun yeah, to a- replicate that. Well, you know, what's really interesting about that is that I've got the Plaid connectivity, which is not business specific or only, right? Um, and a lot of the a lot of positioning of Summit once you get into the application is really being dictated by the labels and the event types that are available to you in the dropdowns. But if you just thought about the events that are available to you, how I mean, a subscription that pays you revenue is not that different than a job that pays you income. No. Reusing that and just not calling it a subscription. <laughs> You're subscribing yeah. to the cash of your of your employer, right? And it goes up a little bit over time. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't model it. And then you have investments or assets of your own whose value is growing. So Summit will be fully capable of serving that kind of need. And I think it would be so interesting if Summit ended up being a tool where maybe you could almost switch between a view of your business and a view of your personal life. Yeah. But you, I think maybe the, they were even connected. They were even connected, you know, I think the killer feature would be to pull in the current price of Bitcoin. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's that easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, 10x this year is what some people are saying. But that, yeah, I'm actually having a call with somebody later this week about the could this be repurposed for personal finance? Funny enough, because they mentioned it on a uh, podcast and I heard that and I said, huh, I would love to talk to you about that. Nice. Uh, maybe one other product update since this is sort of manager and I'll talk about the maker and then hand over the mic. Um, on the maker side, what am I going to be doing? So while Giles works on this, I'm going to be working on um, integrations. Specifically, when you look at your model, events, you should be able to, for one of those, events attributes so now we're way down in the weeds it's like okay how many how many trials convert each month what's your trial conversion rate what's funny is like that 8 10 12 percent or 30 percent whatever it is it's in like a different place for so many people <laughs> it's like sometimes it's a bare metric sometimes it's in stripe maybe it's in a spreadsheet um maybe it's in hubspot so what i'm going to enable is that uh, when you are looking at an event, you ought to be able to kind of click a lightning bolt or some kind of sync button next to the field that you want to link or sync and then say, I want this field's value to come from this metric. And that metric comes from this external data source. So, and then I want to save that. And I want to have that, that um, event attribute get updated once a month, once a day, once a week. So that it's kind of a That's really bottoms cool. up view, right? Where you could go in then and say, okay, this model is alive because its attributes are actually syncing with my metrics. Yeah, that's cool. And everyone's always said like, hey, Matt, why don't you automatically this or automatically that? Like, why don't you automatically bring in my trial conversion rate? I'm like, well, you want me to automatically bring in your trial conversion rate from parametrics. But this guy over here is telling me that that, <laughs> that conversion rate is actually like garbage. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. So I can't assume sort of like from from the extra, I can't just like say as soon as you connect bare metrics, I can assume that that conversion rate is what you should use for your models and like sync that and enforce that. But what I can do is I can say when you're looking at that field in your model, if you want to source it from a metric, just tell me which metric and that metric could be sourced from anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. That's going to be a nice feature to have. It's huge because for retention as well, like it, once people do that, I can re I can rebuild their financial model every week and or every relevant, month yeah. and it's relevant and I can send them the new output, right? And say, Hey, this is what your model said based on your new data. This is where you're going. And the reporting becomes a lot richer and the sort of the, um, yeah, the long-term value goes up. The engagement value goes up a lot. So I'm going to be working on that while, um, Giles works on the language and, yeah, I think it's going to be... That's our product roadmap for the next six months, easily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, I, I can see that. Don't, don't really need to talk about product management for, for a while. Great. <laughs> it's all about design and execution now. Yeah, we'll we'll follow up in, uh, in six months. That's right. Good waterfall uh, development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there'll be no updates, no, no updates or insights until then. Yeah. No, I mean, we'll be... We'll be um, agiling our way through that but i just i'm so confident in the direction of both the themes i guess what i would say that you know i'm not sitting here going oh maybe i should be developing a mobile app or maybe i should be developing like you know at least at least i know the themes to be working on yeah i mean it sounds pretty cool pretty exciting yeah thank you how how uh how are you doing peter soon how am i doing um what would you like I'm doing. To talk about? Uh, I'm doing okay. I um, you remember last time I talked about like people signing up, adding their credit card, and then uh, downgrading themselves afterwards. Yeah. I, I, it happened a few more times actually, um, but I think I finally realized what was going on. So the the, hmm. the weird thing was that I I wanted there to be a way to cancel your subscription um without like self-serve because i think that's that's fair like unless you're like very new and very you know mvp stage if you let people sign up self-serve they should probably be allowed to cancel self-serve as well I agree. Um, so strive has a feature to do that with the billing portal 
but I didn't want people to have that ability to can actually cancel their accounts because it's not so easy to delete an account for me because I mean, there would be a way to figure it out, but it's, it's like a big, it's a big thing because you have one person on the team and then they, all the projects are connected to their GitHub account. And then for some reason it was like the, you know, there was like the intern who set it, set up the account or some, for some reason. And now it's like the whole company is using it, 10 people, whatever. And then they want to delete their account and they just, the intern just deletes their account or something like that. Cause it, but then nothing works, you know, their connection is sort yeah. of lost between um, because they owned the team that all the projects were connected to, but it's just, it's not as simple as it sounds to just delete an account. So if people want that, we actually, we do it manually, which we have done. Okay. Like, so a company the other day, like emailed me, one of our developers, one of our developers stopped and he was actually owning all the projects. Um, how do we fix this? So it's like, I had to delete his account, but then make sure that all the connections were mapped to like another developer's GitHub account or just okay. to make sure that these, everything was still running. Right. Um, but then the way I solved this was like we had we had this legacy hobby plan that is free that some people are on still, um, and we would just I would just allow people to downgrade to that because it's free. So it's essentially the same as they cancel the billing, hmm. but they don't delete their account. So like if they want their account to be deleted, I have to do it. But if they want to just not pay for branch, they can just downgrade to the free plan. So what I think happened is these people signed up, they wanted to see the tool and then immediately they were prompted to put in their credit card, which, which they did to start the trial. And then they realized that they weren't going to use it or it didn't work or it was different from what they thought or something like that. And they were looking to see if they could cancel because they realized that they signed up for a trial and then they downgraded. So they weren't trying to use it for free. They were just trying to cancel, if that makes sense. Okay. Huh. Yeah, it does. And, and you have you have a much more complicated. It's not as simple as like, oh, individual user wants to delete their individual account and it's therefore it's very straightforward that you should do this. It's uh there's some extra work. Yeah. There's so, some if thens involved. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they probably just cared about not being billed <laughs> um when their trial expired, so they just downgraded themselves, which is the same result. Like they're not on a paid plan and they won't be charged. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's, I, I think there was actually one active trial right now. Um, that would be the first converted converting customer if it converts, um, since I added the paywall, uh, like a few weeks ago, um, definitely it's been, I think we've had the same amount of signups, but most people don't add their credit card, um, which is sort of expected. Um, mm. yeah, I don't know how long I'll keep it, what I'll do about it. Um, but it's been interesting to see <laughs> what happens if you just force people to put it, the credit card in upfront. Um, it hasn't solved the, the activation problem. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so it's a, it's a new year. <laughs> It and I think the the last uh, the last there you know there have been episodes without me, <laughs> um, so I feel like I'm coming into this a little bit newer. I was you know where what is your why I'm doing what's your it. focus right now? What's your focus right now with Branch? I think it, it might be good to reset my own brain. In yeah, I mean we're that. we're we're going. So, I mean we talk in Slack all the time, but sort of yeah for the podcast we're, context, we're going hard after the WP engine segment because we've basically identified that as the best customer profile, the most ideal. Um, but I, the thing is when thinking about customer conversations, sales conversations, which I haven't had as many of as I hoped, um, it didn't help me to have a free plan because it made it 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 framed it in the customers or potential customers mind that they it would be free for them which yeah. was 
it felt like losing momentum when you're on a call and you've basically sold them on brains. And then you're like, yeah, and you know, you can just put in your GitHub and just use it for free. And then maybe one day you'll pay. Um, mm. Because it's like, they're telling me now that they want to use it. They're telling me now that they want their developers to use it. It's like, okay, I'll help you set it up. Put in your credit card. It'll cost this much. Just felt like I would get to the moment of truth faster than like waiting to see if they would actually adopt it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the thesis, but I mean, that, that hasn't really played out yet. So I'm, I'm not sure I want to keep it, but that's sort of the, the state of things right now. Okay. Yeah. This week actually, cause I sort of needed a, a little break. I've actually been working on WP pusher a bit. Um, so WP pusher has just been this like loyal, companion for the last five or six years of my life it's like no matter how neglected it has been like it's just been there uh you know grown a few percent here and there and um mm -hmm. but it has Basically. it has <laughs> been neglected um a lot and there's a few things with like PHP 8 and new versions of WordPress and stuff like that where it, it, it wasn't really up to date yeah um and i mean we have a we have a lot of customers like it's being used in thousands of wordpress sites and some cost some individual customers are using it on several hundred sites so it's like, like there's a certain responsibility like it, it just needs to be <laughs> to a certain mm -hmm. standard of course um if if i want those people to renew their plans um and then in general like i just I, I was just sort of tempted to spend some more time on it. And I got kind of like pulled into it because uh, I, I spent one day fixing all these things. It just, it took me literally one day to fix basically the top five support requests that I've gotten over the past year, just make fixes. And when I think about it now, like that, that's actually been almost a week. And I, I don't think, I, I don't think I've gotten any support since I did that. So I think I might actually have just have fixed like in one day, <laughs> like 95% of all the support we get these days. Awesome. Pretty exciting. And then <laughs> I, I, I fell into a Tailwind UI hole a little bit and I started actually redesigning the website because it looks the yeah. same as it did five mm -hmm. years ago. And uh, <laughs> which is, I, in my, I don't think it's horrible actually. It's um, right. it's okay, but it's just it doesn't look like 2021. And sure. then the other thing is like now that I'm redoing the website, I'm also going to add a new pricing table, and I think I'm actually going to try to change the pricing as well because I realized it's also been five or six years <laughs> since I changed the prices. Um, mm. And do you think you've learned things since then that would cause you to want to change it, or is it just like a hey, I probably should just stop and think if i've still got that. i think it's the whole like patrick mckenzie like people aren't telling me it's too expensive they're buying it all the time okay um so mm -hmm. one thing i thought about was like right now the price it's priced it's it's yearly priced so you, you it's only annual plans so one idea i had is like um our freelancer plan is 99 per year which gives you basically five was your licenses for so for five client sites mm -hmm. i thought of like i'd be really curious to see what happened if i made that monthly and then made it 19 dollars. so it's essentially doubling the price mm -hmm. and yeah i'd be just be curious to see like if if people still convert because then mm -hmm. then that would be very good <laughs> Yeah, yeah. How many signups uh, per month, new signups per month, are you getting for WP Pusher? Uh, usually, I'd say around ten new customers or something like that. That's that's great. Five or ten, yeah. maybe, or even okay. more. And it's it it depends. S small amount of churn as well, or yeah. is that offset? Yeah, I think like I just look like this this month so far, or no, wait. I think it was the past two weeks or something like that. We've added like 
50 something MRR and it's not really MRR, but that's, that's just how these tools show it. Um, hmm. Which was like, you know, a hundred bucks a new, um, oh, like, a, so you could also say like a thousand K in, or not a thousand K, one K in, mm-hmm. um, in new ARR, um, and then like 400 in churn or something like that. Um, which seems like, yeah, that's probably a typically like two or three, four week period, how it looks. Okay. Um, so I think hmm. it probably grows like 30% a year or something like that. 20 right. to 30% a year. Okay. With like no effort except like answering yeah. five or 10 support emails, five probably a week or something like that. Yeah. That's a really nice, it's a nice little asset there, man. It just yeah. keeps just keeps giving. Yeah. And it's been d- just doing it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah and I know you've gone that. down the you've gone you've gone down the path many times of like, should I do something more substantial with this? And the answer just keeps being no. <laughs> like make it yeah. but I think now you're saying like, well, make it better. Don't ign- don't let it be an ignored Yeah, it's like don't change a winning aspect. team, maybe. But like Right. But right. Maybe there's something like a few tweaks. Like what if like if if the if doubling the price costs like fifty percent increase in revenue, that would be like a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And it might not like it might stall everything, but it might also work. Who knows? Right. Um, it's at least yeah. like it feels like something that's pretty easy to test. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There are some pretty horrible cool. things about like some of my backend stuff and stuff like that. That now I'm like I'm really tempted to like redo all of it. Um, and it's honestly it's been kind of exciting because it's been really hard with Branch like in the past few months to like feel like there's been a lot of progress. Whereas this thing, it's like every time I do something, there's like you know thousands of people coming to the website a month and yeah yeah we're signing up almost every day or every third day or something like that so it's like it feels more impactful in some sense and mm. it just feels good like it just feels like progress and it it felt really satisfying to like squash all of those support issues hmm. so yeah it <laughs> it does make my point tiktok development right oh i didn't i have no idea jason freed <laughs> okay um i it's funny it reminds me of the browsing or those sites browsing the sites where you can buy the existing apps or SaaS, yeah. you know little sasses for 10k 30k 100k yeah you know, i think i know what you're gonna say now yeah no it just it, it, it reminds me of like one of those in a way where the promise is basically you know own this little piece of property and just collect rent for a very long time. Or you can invest and add your little houses and hotels and yeah. hope somebody lands on it. <laughs> the way I think about it now is like, actually, it's like, what would it look like if I like acquired this product from like me from six years ago? Right. What would I do to improve it? <laughs> yeah. You're like you just bought it off of one of those sites yeah. and you're like, going, wait a minute. I would know how to, I know how to flip this. Or at yeah. least I know how to boost boost this and then walk away again for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. My friend uh, did buy a Shopify app off of their uh, one of those sites a couple of years ago, and it's doing well. Like he figured out what to do with it, and it's. Man, I could actually say after like starting at zero, like so many times now. Um, I mean, I've had other ideas even before Risk Pulse. The idea of kind of coming in at a one. Or like a zero point seven five, it just sounds really great in some yeah. sense because it's like I mean, this is Rob's playbook for ten years, right, right, right. The value proposition is proven. You know, there are existing customers who have complaints that you can fix because you're a developer, you know how to fix it. Boy, it sounds kind of uh, it sounds kind of relaxing in a way. <laughs> yeah, I um, uh, well, anyways, anyways, I've been enjoying myself, and it just yeah, feels. I don't know. I think it's like, 
it's the same thing when you're like as a developer like you you convince yourself that it makes sense to like redo your personal side but like this is this makes a little bit more business sense mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it's the same kind of like you know house cleaning yeah. feeling yeah that's great I, I something else i i listened to a podcast a danish podcast and they they had an interesting conversation about technical debt that i i don't know so i mean sometimes I just bring stuff up on this podcast and i don't really have anything to say about it but i just found it interesting <laughs> so i'm just putting it out <laughs> into the universe of our listeners um but the the thing they talked about was like people think of or the way that they they thought of technical debt is like it's you know you have a a, a developer the more they work on new stuff the more technical debt they're creating and mm. so that so that made me think like the way we measure how good a developer is i mean hopefully not but like i think a way that many people look at developers like how productive are they but actually if they're too productive like they're creating a lot of stuff to be maintained in the future and i think this is the whole like thing about your uh, marketing side as well i think it's not only technical debt it's also like marketing debt and stuff like that mm. but it's like it's actually not for a developer it's actually not like how much can they build for us and how fast it's more like how much can they handle in terms of like how large of an area of this product or this business can they handle without like just building up a huge pile of poop that they that someone has to deal with like they right. actually like it needs to be one maintainable but it also just needs to be like not too much <laughs> and yeah and i thought that was a really interesting like a way to think about it actually it is it reminds me that yeah, you don't want your code base growing at a one-to-one rate with almost anything no. in your business. Not people, not revenue, not not any of that. Like ideally the best code base is like three lines long and never grows and makes an absolute fortune, right? Yeah, it looks like crap on GitHub and those like tiles and shit like that. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like it's it's it never changes. It's yeah. barely three lines long and it, yeah, but it yeah, exactly like, yeah yeah no that would be that would be the best um no that's that's really good i think there's a lot of truth to that that obviously that kicks in at some point when you have enough and i think the challenge is just knowing when is enough um it depends on your architecture too i, I can imagine that there's certain parts of your code base that you would expect to stabilize and not that they get dusty and old but that they don't need to change much anymore yeah um like that stability is a great sign to me because then man you're probably the quality is probably going up if there's not new stuff getting added to it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah one of the points they had was like if you hire a developer like he can't just keep developing like the problem is he's gonna create like he's either had like Either way, like he he either has to like maintain his own stuff or he's just like he might be a really good developer, so he might just have be the guy who builds new stuff, but then he's creating work for someone else to come in and maintain it. Yeah. Yep. That's good. So like year one he's creating, year two he's like the stuff he built in year one like still needs attention. So he can't just mm. create mm-hmm. as much in year two as he did in year one. And it also like it's a good i think it's a good like mental model for like why small companies are less or more productive than large companies yeah yeah i mean it, there is something so satisfying about like going back over code with a you know with a rolling pin so to speak and just <laughs> yeah. fixing and improving fixing and improving um that takes just as much time i think the problem so often is like the it's not very reusable right like that's kind of the main thing is it's like it's a bunch of do not repeat yourself in theory but then in practice everyone's writing new functions all the time for everything yeah that they need to do you know yeah actually i just i just re-listened to uh, dhh on tim ferris's podcast from like five years ago and he talked about this as well it's like i think generally like 
like if you are a programmer like you can probably make it work like there's probably like you know presented with a problem and you're somehow like decent developer like you'll you can find a solution like you can you can make the computer do something to solve your problem Mm -hmm. um but that's not the hard part (laughs) it's like right it's the mess you leave behind yep yeah completely that's really good i just thought that was an interesting i don't know i i hadn't thought of it exactly in that way um obviously there's nothing new in this but yeah i i like that metaphor like that way of thinking or mental model or whatever you want to say it's great yeah so um cool man that's my update i think this week okay nice and uh and i think that's the podcast too okay (laughs) sounds good cool man thank Uh, you what you're doing sounds really cool (laughs) (laughs) what you're doing sounds like the hard part of figuring out a lot of things and uh, hats off you know um that is true. It's not easy ride, man. It's just not easy. No. <laughs> you, Best you, thing wait, we can you, do is have fun. Yeah. I was gonna say you, you pick this you pick this journey because it's uh because it's hard, right? <laughs> so yeah. you're not disappointed. <laughs> I mean, if you're not trying to revenu- revolutionize an industry, what are you even doing? With I your know, life? Right. <laughs> Boring. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. Take Talk it easy. Later. Bye. Take it later. Bye. Bye.